My dad was born in a music conservatorium in the northern Italian city of Rovigo. He says that's where he acquired his musical talent, his ear for sound. First of all, I have to tell you, like, my ear for music is a super fine. Giorgio Guerra, or George, as Aussies call him, came here in 1952 at the tender age of 21 to work on the garn, sweating it out in the dry desert heat, sleeping in a corrugated iron shack and living off tin cans of food. It's hard to imagine Dad eating that kind of meal. Food is such a big part of our family life. Good, fresh Italian meals that Dad can spend all day cooking. Every time I come home to Adelaide, to Mum and Dad's place, the first thing that hits me is the smell. It's difficult to describe exactly, but I think every Italian household has its own odour. Mum and Dad's place has a warm, comforting smell. It lingers throughout the house. All is well when that smells around. Where's the old man? Somewhere. Hey, Valio. Hey! Hey, 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 good. Oh, hey, well, good. Excellent. Who's this beautiful girl? Yes, I think she's my wife. Dad is actually my stepdad, if you go by the traditional definition of family ties. But to me, since the age of four, he's just been dad. Before he married Mum, Dad had his own family, with three new siblings to join my brother Jamie and I. He was also a musician. He used to tell me stories about playing the bass around town in seedy underground bars where people drank whiskey out of jam jars. Now that was cool. I remember when I used to play in, the, in some cellars, you had to wear a hat, you have to grow your beard, so there was only a piano and a bass and a guitar. In the last five years, I've become a bit obsessed with playing the guitar. Every spare minute, I pick it up and have a noodle. When I'm away from it, my fingers itch to have it in my hands again. So I'm pretty impressed with Dad's stories about being a muso. The first inkling I had that these weren't just stories was on Dad's 70th birthday. George had specifically said to me, I don't want anything for my 70th. Don't do anything. That's my mum, Loretta. And in true mum fashion, she completely ignored Dad and set about organising the biggest surprise she could think of. For about 15 years, from the late 50s to the early 70s, Dad played in a band called The Continentals. Mum had decided she was going to reform the band for Dad's birthday... Well, because I wanted it to be a surprise and George was expecting it to be a um, party for our grandson's communion, uh, I had to get the house ready and the room ready with all the decorations accordingly with the music and everything. And um, so I asked all the guests to gather up at the end of the street because we had a little park with lots of trees and um, I thought it would be great if they came down uh, on cue when I rang Daniel, who was up there with them. Daniel, that's me. And I managed to get George out the front so that he would see them coming by, on the pretense that we were going to have a family photo out the front of the house with our grandson. And as we walked out, he said, gosh, because we could see this bunch of people come down with this great big drum and this big band. He said... What's the Salvation Army band doing coming down our street? 
someone shot video footage of that day, the unsteady camera showing mum and dad on the front veranda, dad grinning from ear to ear, and mum, well, she can tell you. I think all the emotions let loose and my I started doing almost the can-can. My legs were kicking up higher than my head and uh, I didn't realise the emotion that I released until I saw myself on video. I guess it was just a build-up of, uh, you know, keeping it a secret and then just eventually, and I cannot, to this day, listen to when the Saints go marching in without wanting to jump up and down again and get excited. It was a hot summer day in Adelaide, the kind of baking heat that knocks you over as soon as you walk out the door. The boys set up on our back veranda overlooking the pool and played like they were never going to stop. Mum came out with wet towels and laid them across their necks. It had been 27 years since they'd last played together as a band. Well, the time it was like I was a reborn again. I've got a photo on my fridge at home. It's a black and white shot with all the original members of the band posing for the photographer. They're smiling at the camera, each with their instrument in hand. They must be around 30 years old. Apart from the drummer, there have been several since they first formed. All those boys were back together, playing on my porch. To me, it looked like they'd slipped back in time, back to when they were young men, playing the cabaret circuit in Adelaide. You could say it was Nick DeMarcy, the lead guitarist who started the whole thing. Back in 1958, he met accordion player Pat Sacosta at a work picnic. Along with a drummer called Vince Cirillo, they started a little band. They practised at each other's homes, catching buses and carrying their instruments on their back. It wasn't long before they decided they needed a larger sound. So they added a brass section. Silvio Ferno, saxophone and clarinet. And Fernando Lanuccelli trumpet and trombone. dad. Well, he says he was too good for his other band. So good that when Nick heard him play, he stole him for the Continentals. 
George Guerra on bass. They knew how to dress back then. Hair slicked back, wearing identical suits with dark lapels and tight bow ties. Penso che un sogno così non ritorni mai più. Crisp white shirts and black slacks. Dipingevo le mani e la faccia di blu. Poi d'improvviso venivo dal vento rapito. E incominciavo a volare nel cielo infinito. Volare. Oh. Pazza Costa, piano accordion. We had to have something special. But I would say, in our length of time in the Continentals, we must have changed our costumes about, oh, at least eight times, because we wore things, and it shows up in some of the old photos. Nick, the lead guitarist, brought some of his skills from the old country to the band. Yeah, originally, when I came from Italy, I was 14, and I was a qualified tailor. I always picked a very nice outfit, as you can see from the photos. They are very classy. That particular one is a very classy. That was a curtain material, believe it or not. And I got the suits made out of it. Then we got the other one with the black lapel up there, that top there, at the wedding, the one there. And that was, once again, my choice. It was a mustardy yellow colour with a black lapel and black trousers. As you can see, we're always dressed immaculate. Today, all of the boys are from Italy. And while over the years different nationalities have played with the band, they've always had a strong following within the Italian community in Adelaide. The Italian community was very small and very tight because at that particular time it was a stigma, you know, of being a bloody wog or whatever you want to call it. And uh, we stuck together for a while, but I personally integrated with the Australian community very quickly. I learned the language because first it was the biggest barrier for us was the English language because we didn't know a word of English when we landed here. I didn't get the chance to go to school here to learn all that, but mingling with everybody, I picked up the language very quickly. So I integrated with the Australian community very quickly. For those who missed the comfort of their mother tongue and a home-cooked Italian meal, there were always the Italian clubs. What brought the community together because one would invite the other one to come to Australia and we got together that way. These little pockets of Italy transplanted to Australia would raise funds to build their own club. The clubs were just like a school hall and it's in those halls that the Continentals played at many Italian festivals and weddings. I feel personally we became stronger and closer in the band when we played for the Italians and ethnic people uh, uh, sort of gave you a feeling, oh, they, want, they like us playing because we're Italian.
The Continentals lived up to their name, expanding their repertoire so they could cater to other immigrant communities that had moved to Adelaide. Desde que se fue, triste vivo yo, caminito amigo, yo también me voy. Desde que se fue. We used to play the type of music that they really wanted, and we knew what they wanted. But we, are, we were very popular even in the Greek community because we also played Greek music. And we played all the national anthem of all the countries, which at that particular time was very popular. If you didn't play the national anthem, you weren't good enough. People they used to charge $100 a head to go play, any band. We charged 200 and he used to say, why you are 200? I said, well, if you want a good band, you play 200. If you want a just, just band, get somebody else. So we got a booking years ahead. So if you want us, say, we'll let you know. They let us know after half an hour. They say, oh, yes, we want you. In demand and popular, the boys travelled great distances to perform. They went to Mildura, Alice Springs and Cooper Pedy. They played in barn sheds, backyards, the Centennial Hall in Adelaide, where the Beatles played. The only one who had transport was George, and five of us sit in the front, and all the instruments in the back of the youth. After playing, we'd go and have a coffee, and uh, we'd be, you know, sort of... Like little kids, I suppose, uh, all of us, we'd be uh, picking on each other and, and telling jokes and in the motel, you know, uh, sort of running in between rooms, you know, uh, waking each other up and uh, carrying on a bit, you know. And we were, I mean, we were getting a little bit older, but we were having a lot of fun. On Saturday nights, when we used to finish playing in their band, we would meet with the other Italian bands down Hunley Street, and we would go other and down Marina Bar for a pizza and coffee, or La Cantina, and we would have spaghetti. This about one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. That was for our dinner, and belong to any of us. George would can be sure it's anything that we would put pepper and salt in your coffee, or sugar in your spaghetti. But we, you know, have time of our life. Hello, Nick. Good morning, love. How are you? There are some stories from those years that have become legends. All right, buongiorno. No, signor. Come da basso. Good, good. How are you? The coffee's on. Oh, gee, we bloody love. We laughed so much that night. It was unbelievable. <laughs> what a beautiful boy it was, eh? But what did we're you... We were um, boys there, actually. Why did you dress up? Was this a wedding? No. No, it was the Greek... Oh, it was the Greek annual ball. Yeah. We'd done a floor show at the Greek Grecian ball in Franklin Street, Adelaide. Well, it was very formal, so we decided to play a gag. All the boys dressed up in the ballerina outfit with the tutu. And on the floor show, you should hear them and see the people laughing and screaming their heads off because everybody was a, a formal dress, men with a dinner suit and the ladies with the long, beautiful frocks, which I used to use in those days. 
27-tier bloody wedding cake and it's 10. Well, it's in the pen on there, sir. <laughs> he said to get no, it was 27 tiers, which, I mean, it's bloody tall. Yeah, it was about six, that one. Was at the Centennial Hall, there was two biggest weddings in Adelaide. There was one of them, and we were the mind band playing there at Centennial Hall. And there was 1,500 people, and they had the biggest cake ever seen anywhere on that particular night of the wedding. Couldn't believe it. They had to get on a step ladder to cut it. They had to climb a ladder to cut the cake and let the pigeons out, you know. It was a 27-tier cake. Now, you can count as 10 stories, 10 tiers. I just remember it was huge because we're on the stage and it was still higher than us on the stage. Each member of the band seems to have a special relationship with their instrument, with special reasons for why they love to play it. Since picking up the guitar myself, I understand where they're coming from. The passion to play, the desire to perform. <laughs> Dad keeps trying to convince me to ditch my guitar for the bass. First of all, the bass is the soul of any band. And um, I like it because if like, you've got a, a good band, and then you hear the people applaud you, you know, and you got a, some sort of a tingle which you want to you get better. Nick DeMarcy has a beautiful old maiden guitar that he brought back in the late 50s. For Anna, Nick's wife, it's part of the family. He's always polishing it and looking after it. And he's still got the original case, which has fallen apart. And I do say to him, will you buy a new case for your nice guitar? And he goes, this is the original, which now he's got it taped up with red tape around the sides. <laughs> I said, at least he could have got brown, but he got red, because that's all they had. Nick's guitar is like a favoured child, and its role in the family was set down at the very beginning. On our honeymoon, he had said to me, my guitar is number one, you follow through number two. And I said, OK, this is where Nick goes. His guitar is so important, I'm going to leave that number one. I'll follow through as number two and follow through the rest of our life as second. But I'm happy with that because his life was his guitar. But on New Year's Eve, 1974, Nick played his last gig for 36 years. The last time Nick played was we were all as a family get together and it was um, played in the band, everything, it all went good. And then we went for a picnic on day after New Year's Day and my daughter got sick. I, I saw that she wasn't looking well so then um, it happened that um, we took her to hospital and then on the 5th of January she passed away and Nick just wouldn't have any bar of his guitar after that. He just felt, you know, empty. I think he felt empty in himself. Nick and Anna had already lost a child three years earlier because I was so involved in the business that I didn't have time to share a quality time with my children. 
And when my daughter died, I didn't want to have any part of the band anymore for that particular reason. Nothing against the boys or the music or anything. I just decided to give it up and I put the guitar under the bed. I nearly sold, I sold everything else. And I'm glad that my wife put her foot down and she said, you're not selling this one because one day it's going to be for our grandkids. As for Dad, he had to make a choice. It comes the times which I have to choose the career as a player, which you don't earn much there, you know, because the money you're earning, a few drinks and a cigarette, they're all gone, you know. And uh, that's the career of the insurance, which I was, uh, was working on insurance, or music. So because I have a, a mortgage, and many other things, you know, I decided to do a career and live the bass alone. And I never play ever since, until, until now. This is something I've never known about Dad, how much he loved the bass and the sacrifice he made when he stopped playing it. When I stopped playing the bass, I was almost sick for about six, seven months. Because when you're in love with someone, with an instrument, it's worse than being in love with a person. With an instrument, is a... You, you, you really suffer. I never saw my dad play the bass. Not until his 70th birthday. He'd have a tinkle on the piano, tell stories about the old days. But for all those years, he did not touch the bass. You can't explain to people what you feel about it, uh, to give it up an instrument which you love. Uh, well, I always think, oh, well, one day I'm going to start again. And then how can I do it? I was too busy on the works. Silvio and Fernando continued to play professionally in other bands. Pat did as well, although he said that nothing could replace the Continentals. Soon afterwards, I went and played uh, with another band. But I felt uh, not the same. The Continentals was great, you know, I enjoyed it. But I did that for about six, seven years. And then from then on, I didn't play. I sort of broke away from that band and gave it away completely. But missed it all the time, you know. I always thought back, oh, it'd be great to be out there if you were at a party. Oh, yeah, you look, have a look at the musos up there enjoying themselves. It brought back memories. It's been 10 years since Dad's 70th birthday. There have been a couple of jam sessions. The band got together again for Nick's 70th in 2009. But they didn't really get serious until Nick went back to Italy for the first time in 55 years. I was on a cruise overseas. I went to Italy last year and uh, I saw this band on board the ship and it was fantastic. It reminded me of every type of music we used to play and the crowd that we come across there was very similar to what we had when we first started. We were playing in our band here. So I said to the boys, how about we get together? For a personal reason, we just enjoy ourselves, we have a few beers, whatever, a bit of a laugh, and we have. And, and we have improved a hell of a lot since we started. Permesso. Avanti, that means come forward. You're part of the Continentals, Oh, yes, yes. They got a new drummer, Peter Sajakami, who had been around the traps at the same time as the Continentals. They recorded a CD, 
Now they're practising for their first live performance in 36 years. They'll be joined by the original singer, Phil Galantimos. Her hair is soft and her eyes are also blue. She's everything a girl should be, but she's not you. She knows just how to make me laugh when I feel blue. And it's just breaking my heart, cause she's not you. Rehearsing for the Continentals includes many important things, including coffee. When they have rehearsal, they make a time, they come in, I come in, make them coffee, and then I say, see you later, boys, I'm off, I'll be back at five. So then I come back at five to make a coffee, and partners bring a little plate of something, they all put it together and um, have a few nibbles and a few laughs and a few stories. The stories never end. You hear them all the time. And there's always a new story that somebody hadn't heard before. They come up with some beauties. Okay. Just have all your coffee and then you can go and listen, Darren. Then you can bring the coffee perk Okay. And eating. I don't know what that... Oh, that's um, an egg fruit, patty. That is Georgian Loretta's. <laughs> this one here is easy, I think. They're stuffed olives and that's pecorino cheese. That would be like a uh, cacciatore or pepperoni, I would say, a sausage. Here we've got baklava. That's a Greek delicacy. Now, I don't know what that is. That's a... And, of course, joking, playing about and having fun. Without, without, being, without being George, this bad... No, they're not good. Without us, the band does nothing because we are the soul of the band. I think they're just the same from day one till now. They're just like a, a group of brothers all getting together and with their partners we um, get on really, really good together. So we all blend in together and we all have fun together. Never done anything wrong. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. And being like brothers, there are some disagreements. When we're wanting to get something right, you know, one or well, because we have opinions, and doesn't matter how well we get on, you know, and because we all relate to ourselves now that we're getting grumpier and and we call ourselves a grumpy old men. When Nick put down his guitar and the band broke up, it could have been the end. But watching them play, it feels like the Continentals were just waiting. Waiting for the right time when they could come back together and be a band again. Uh, we, we do that all together, Fernando, don't we? Introduction all together, don't you? All right. Put this way, there's a, there's a, the music is a drug, you know, because uh, 
Sometime he put music in front of anything else. And uh, I'm very happy because we start again. And I hope we're going to go again for another 20 years, which is going to make me 130. We're finding it's really great now. We've become very passionate. I feel rejuvenated because it's, uh, it's something that I've always enjoyed. And uh, I can't stay away from it. And I was only listening to Anna last night, saying with Nick, every moment he gets in the morning, even before he goes off to work, if he's got half hour, he'll be practising on his guitar. He comes home at night and he'll pick up the guitar and he's practising. And Nick was the one, really, that didn't want the band anymore, in a way. The years have added some weight to the boys. The young, smiling faces have a few more wrinkles and they've come back to the band with a couple of knocks from life. Fernando on the trombone and trumpet has had two strokes, the last one in 2008. I have got disability with my right hand because I haven't got the sensation of my fingering and I uh, have to look where I put my fingering before I start to play. The most important is the friendship uh, that has promoted me mentally to go on and do it. Dad had some falls and a scare with prostate cancer. But there's one part of him that's even stronger now than back in the day. Now, there's something special. There is. I'm still trying to find what it is, but I think the companionship the respect for each other, all those things, you know, is sort of something special there now. And uh, it's making me emotional. <laughs> Might have to excuse me a minute. <laughs> oh. I'll be right. Just give me a second. <laughs> It's got to be something, because I wouldn't be like this. So that's what it's done to me. That's a special thing. But all this wouldn't have been possible without the Continental's strongest fan base. Behind every great man there's a woman, and that's us. <laughs> it feels like the women have been the ones moving behind the scenes poke here, a prod there, getting their husbands to pick up their instruments again. Mum organised Dad's 70th, even though he said he didn't want a party. When Nick tried to sell his guitar, Anna hid it away. She never stopped telling him to start playing again. At one stage you wanted to sell it because things were tough, but I said to him, just do anything, you know, like get another job, do something else, but don't let your guitar go because you'll be sorry, you know. Now the boys have another opportunity to strut their stuff. They're returning to a familiar stomping ground, playing at an Italian dance in honour of Maria Santissima di Crocchi. It's a festival that migrated to South Australia, along with the Calunesi, the people of southern Italy, where my mum's from. 
When I was a kid, I used to go to these celebrations all the time. They were mostly weddings, all of them held in the local Italian club. Guaranteed at everyone would be the familiar spread. Antipasta, followed by lasagna or ravioli, followed by half a chicken, and then ice cream and coffee for dessert. And everywhere throughout the hall, children running around. Cousins, cousins of cousins, their aunties, uncles. Back then it was impossible to have a wedding without inviting the entire extended family. The dance is being held in Virginia, in the outer suburbs of Adelaide. It's where many of the Italian families started their businesses as market growers, and many are here still. Hello, how are you? Hello, how are you? Being early August, it's bitterly cold. The boys warm up their instruments, warm up their hands, and mill about nervously. That's better. It's a saxophone, probably I've let go now, I've let loose. It's no good being nervous anymore. It doesn't get you anywhere. Probably will when we go up there. Sylvia, how are you, mate? Yes, yeah, good. You're, you're nice. Gradually the hall fills up. People take their seats. The door prize is called. The house band plays for an hour or so. And then it's time for the Continentals to take the stage. fairly emotional thing to do, watch your 80-year-old dad perform on stage. I'm proud of him. I'm a bit anxious in case they stuff up. But they make it through the first set and then the second. People are up dancing. The boys are having a ball. Many here tonight remember the Continentals from the early days. Oh, they were absolutely marvellous. They were the band back in 19... In the 60s, they were really, really the band to, to, to hire at weddings. Truly! And I, I'll never forget the day after we got married, my husband and I actually went round to Nick's to pay them. And, and I remember thinking, oh, the music was just divine that night. And I thought, oh, to have had the Continentals play at my wedding, I thought I was just the best. And now all these years later, I'm so delighted to see that they're actually back together again. I'm just wrapped, absolutely wrapped. I must say, you wouldn't have a wedding if you didn't have the Continentals. It's true, it really is true. Should we get the next generation up? The next generation.
Alright, this one we're off and the song. One of his greatest hits. It's a nice slow number, not too not too fanatical. A thing called Cardo Falling in Love. Remember that one? Over the course of this year, the boys making the CD and tonight, all the stories about Dad's life as a musician have sunk in. How much he loved it and how long he went without it. It's a bittersweet kind of pride. I'm proud because he's back performing. Jealous that I'm not up there myself. And sad that it took so many years to get here. 